everybody. I'm Vanessa Oshima, and welcome to the Outrun Cancer podcast. Outrun Cancer started back in 2012 when I made a promise to a friend that I would run every day for her to support her cancer journey. Cancer can be a really lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. And that's something that I've learned through my cancer journey, the running journey. And I'd like to share with you the stories, the information, the learnings. We call them the life learnings from running, life learnings from cancer. And so that's what we're going to do with this podcast. If you're going through a cancer journey and you want just a little bit of hmm, inspiration, a little bit of information, or just some good stories, come join us on Outrun Cancer. And you don't actually have to be a runner to be able to be part of this. Come listen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Outrun Cancer. This episode is a conversation between a dear friend of mine, Laura, Laura Wendt, uh, who's based in New York, and myself. Laura and I were able to meet a few weeks ago in New York. We actually had lunch at the Met, which I fully recommend. It's a beautiful place to have lunch and a conversation. Laura has been uh, a friend of mine because we connected through our careers. We both worked in the insights and research industry and were at an SMR uh, Congress in Lisbon, where she was the panel lead on the committee for a panel and session that I was presenting. And she gave me so much guidance through my career, so many pivots, so many conversations that we've had. Her superpower is absolutely empathy, empathy, listening, learning, and building people up. She came out to cheer us when we ran New York Marathon. And a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with a pretty heavy cancer diagnosis. She's going through it now, still the next round of chemo coming up in a few months' time. Laura has been somebody I wanted to share her story and her thoughts as a working mother, a single working mother, uh, going through this journey. And we just needed to find the time when she was ready to share and to talk about all the things. So the conversation is going to be centered around working through cancer, looking at uh, just managing careers, making decisions, uh, and how to make sure that it all just moves forward rather than pausing forward in, you know, sometimes a bumpy road, but how to manage that. So sit back and listen to how to work your way through cancer, working through cancer with Laura Wins. I really would like to introduce you to somebody very special. I can't even remember. When was it that we first met? Back? Probably on the floor of SMR in, in Lisbon. Mm big conference, huge conference room. And naturally I gravitated to the most energetic and effervescent <laughs> woman in the room. That would be you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is Laura. Um, so Laura went, so uh, I'm back in Tokyo right now, but our little secret is probably about 10 days ago, we were actually having lunch in the Met in New York together. And Laura and I have been friends for a very long time. We met through a work career opportunity where uh, actually Laura was the lead panel, the person who was holding the panel. And I was a speaker on that, that session and uh, we super connected. So Absolutely. after that having- That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun running a panel is a lot of fun for SMR in particular. Mm. They're very rigorous in their- Bedding. And I remember having giant binders, traveling with giant binders of everyone's papers that mm. so I could really like vet them in prep of the panel. So I would be talking with some depth about each person's study. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you know, SMR literally just 
a few weeks ago, we were in Toronto actually for the Congress and a lot of fun too, uh, bringing people and things together. So today, Laura and I are going to talk a little bit about the fact that not only just our careers overlapped, but we had an overlap with a cancer journey. So uh, Laura was incredibly supportive of me when I was going through my cancer journey, coming out um, during New York Marathon to hand me water and do lots of different things as well. And then just as fate would have it, Laura has been going through her own cancer journey recently and really in the thick of it right now. So many of the conversations that we've had have been with people who are like, oh, I you know, I started my journey five years ago. I started my journey 10 years ago. But Laura's right in the thick of it. And yeah, it hasn't even been two years yet. So yeah. it's about a year and seven, eight months. Yeah. And to say that I'm in the thick of it. I'm in a place where I have more perspective than I've had over the last year and a half, which is why I'm able to have this conversation with you. I think that if I, we had tried to have this conversation, let's say a year ago, I would have been, well, on chemo to begin with. And then, <laughs> Just not like the topic we're going to cover today is working through cancer. And, and the, the double entendre of that is both working as in our careers and our jobs and what we've mm. done while coping with cancer, as well as just the process of, of going and working through it in my spirit, in my life, in my family, just trying to like make sense of it and really come out the other side with hope and daily coping and all that. So it's a good time. You know what? So thank you so much for sharing. So maybe we can start with that. That first, I know that first step when you find out that you have cancer and that first step of working through cancer, like we said, this is going to be really interesting and really special for, for me to be able to talk with you about it because we are two career women that basically decided to try and keep on working through and for all the reasons. And I think many of us have to go through that piece, that conversation. There's obviously, you know, you and I had a little bit of a chat about what wellness is and this idea of when you're working through cancer, there's definitely the physical wellness piece. There's the mental wellness piece. There's also the financial wellness piece and maybe social wellness, like that, just that connection community and things like that. Absolutely. Full disclosure, I have officially retired mm -hmm. in around June of 2022. And it's cancer related. So I'll give some more details of that mm -hmm. when it when it's appropriate. I think that what I can say is, <laughs> I have this note in my mind, delivering the C news. Mm -hmm. And I say that because when I had my, my scan, my mammogram, and they said, oh, you have dense breasts. And actually, Katie <laughs> talking a lot about dense breasts. So we're all talking I love about that. Dense breasts. I have dense, dense breasts. breasts. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, some people might think, oh, dense, that means dense, right? No, no, no. <laughs> hard to read, right? Hard to read. So they, they sent me from the dense breast mammogram to more aggressive scans, including ultras, and came back with highly suspicious, with raised eyebrows. So I wrote, I pulled out a notebook and I've got a big bag of notebooks that I've written mountains of things down. And, and I, at the top of it, I wrote C-notes. Mm. And that night I went to speak to my boyfriend at his house and he, we were talking and he looked over at it and he goes, you're saying that, are you? And I said, I'm saying it's C-notes. I haven't said the word, mm. but we were 
beating around the bush of it all, right? Mm. Because it is such a big word. Everyone that I shared that word with has either had a visceral reaction from their own life experience, their own family member experience, Mm. or if they haven't had an experience, how terrifying it sounds from what they've heard. Mm. So Mm. delivering that news is, is a breathtaking moment. Hearing it and taking it in, I remember I heard it. I got in my car, I drove down the hill in Peekskill and I pulled over to the side of the road and I called my friend Joanne. Mm. And I'm like, Joanne, I have breast cancer. Mm. And <laughs> mm. she had breast cancer 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And that's why I called her because mm. and she's the most, she's, she's more cheerful than both of us combined. <laughs> that's possible. And that's, yeah, that sounds yeah, like a good one. <laughs> so I did that on purpose. I needed to tell someone who, who could hear it from the empathetic perspective and who could reflect on it 20 years, you know, hindsight and say, yeah. you'll be okay. Mm. She, she said it just like that. And I'm like, mm. Yeah, no, you know what? Really interesting is that this this need to call in Japanese, we would say the senpai, the person who's done it before you, you know, and this. Even I know what a senpai is. You even know what a senpai is, right? So it's just like, to, and I did the same, you know. I, I was very fortunate that um, one of my senpai is my husband, because, you know, he had had cancer when he was 29. And so he was right beside me when I got the C news. But then I phoned Caroline and it was like, you'll never guess. And so I think that's probably one of the first big things is like this ability to have the courage, you know, the C word, the C word courage to reach oh. out and not not have to cope with that news all by yourself. Yeah. So I wanted to share about that from the perspective of work as well, career mm-hmm. work. Because, you know, after sharing with my family and some really close friends, one of the people I had, one of the groups I had to share with was some company, yeah. um, NRG, the research firm that I was working for. And, and the first person I told was my trusted confidant there. And then I told HR. Yeah. And what I found was, and I was terrified because what? I was Hold on. Terrified anyway. Terrified. Why terrified? Right. Why terrified? So I I was terrified because I had cancer and I didn't know what that meant. Mm. And really, that's what it is. I didn't know what that was going to mean for the next six months, a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I had no idea what the implications were going to be. And so I'm as a professional, I'm used to being in control of information Mm. and communication. And this was a really great great example and you're not always that right in business you're not always in control oh yeah you know what (laughs) you feel like you are yeah you feel like you've squarely I mean even if you are not in control when you get to the kind of in a stage in your career where we are like we're in there like you know we're not we're not in our 20s any longer but we're used to having our hands on the steering wheel and even if the steering wheel is like jiggling a bit because we're going a bit fast or something we have our hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> and, and it's expected of us. Yeah. At our, at our seniority, the amount of years we've been in profession, in our profession, and seeing the things we've seen and the people and the events and all of it, mm. we are expected to have a steady hand on the wheel. That is part of our role. As Absolutely. Yeah. Senior women, senior leaders. Mm. So this was a moment where 
you know, I was barely touching the wheel of this. I, di- I didn't know. Yeah. And, and so I was, I was terrified. I totally mm. admit that. Mm. And what I'm so grateful for was it was received with so much kindness and support. Mm. And the most important thing I want to say today is that that early support, the cards, the, the flowers, the calls, the notes that I got helped me immeasurably during that early stage when I didn't know which end was up and I was learning that I had to work through cancer. Mm. So that network, mm. that professional network of people, and then of course the people who their mothers or their aunts or themselves or whatever, whatever, all of that came out of the woodwork from in the professional illumination. It just, it helped me so much. Mm. There was so much generosity and love and I wound up coming up with this philosophy, which is a little bit personal, but I've lived much of my life kind of as an island, right? Like very, very independent and not needing others and not needing, not purposely not needing others because, because I, I had, no, it's like that. I've got this. It's good. I've got this. Yeah. (laughs) I said to my sister that that this cancer, if I'm going to learn anything from this cancer, it's how not to be an island and how to let people into my life to support me with the love that I know pe- t- people feel for me. Some people anyway, not everybody. Uh, look, I tell you, people. I want to give you a big hug for that one because I think you and I in particular, career, I don't know, career woman, let's put it that way. Um, oh. We feel like we're going to have to drive it forward. We're going to have to do it ourselves. And more than depending on others, we want to be the person that they depend upon. And so we're so busy being the person that's supporting everybody else and getting everybody else to kind of in. We do. We're an island. You know what? Absolutely. The idea of just letting somebody else, first of all, put their hand on the wheel. It's like usually it's like, I've got this. Get it. But yeah, got their hands fully on the wheel. And that idea of support, what's one of the weirdest things you got as a support? Like I know flowers and cards and messages. Is there anything that stood out? Oh, probably the ice cream. My friend, Marsha, who's an extraordinary researcher herself, she sent me Grater's ice cream twice. Grater's (laughs) is the best ice cream in America. It's from Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, where she lives. And she sent me two two, two separate, I think it was around my surgeries. Right. Um, she sent me two things of Grater's ice cream, and I was like, I was in tears. Yep. Yeah. No, I tell you, I have a, I have a friend who is really good at knitting. Right. She's just really good at knitting, and she lives in Atlanta, and uh, she couldn't obviously do it. She sent me knitted boobies. Knitted boobies. That's a thing. They're made like out of organic cotton rather than like, you know, when you're stuffing them into your breast, you know, they're not rather silicone things. They are, and they've got little nipples on them. They're like the best thing ever. They're called. That sounds it, like a business. She it's, should well, be on Etsy. <laughs> it's called knitted knockers. And um, it's like these, it up. these women who make these things, but she found it and these boobies arrived um, in the mail. <laughs> so it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's what's really interesting is sometimes you don't realize that support comes in so many different ways. And like me running for Caroline every day, it was just like this thing I did. And, she, and she's like, support. And it's like, you know, I'm just. Life I'm just, learnings from running helped me. 
Yeah. I mean, I used to read it because it was witty and intellectual and you were clever and I love you. <laughs> and then I got cancer and I'm like, oh boy, I better start reading this. <laughs> <laughs> level. And the other thing I wanted to mention, which is, it's not directly work related, but my dearest childhood friend, Deborah, she set up something called, what's it called? Lots of love, lots of helping hands. Sorry. Lots of helping hands. It's an app mm. that helps literally organize cancer um, treatment care for someone. And at first I was very like, I'll be fine. I don't need anything. And she was like, no, I have a lot of women friends who've had breast cancer and you're going to need help going through chemo. And I'm like, "Ah." and then I said, I shut my lip mouth and I said, fine, go for it. And she reached out to all of my friends and family network and it set up meals and it was like a schedule. It was Mm. amazing. So you know, less women getting organized around cancer, right? (laughs) So a lot of people, especially in Japan, they don't tell a lot of people, right? They they go through it in a stoic kind of way. Don't want to burden people. Don't want to have people worrying. I was very open with it. You know, it was just like, okay, this is happening people. And, you know, I will get through it but I was very, very open, open on uh, with friends, open on, on my Facebook and all the rest of it and things like that. How did you make a decision about, you said, you know, you can tell all my friends you can do, because I will tell you, yeah. I also had some, I had some harsh stuff come my way too, from well-meaning people. I remember one that stuck in my mind was that a friend, really well-meaning friend, love her to pieces. But the comment that came was, Cancer is a lifestyle disease. You gave cancer to yourself. You can ungive cancer to yourself. And it was, you know, smoking, you get lung cancer, you know, things that you get. So your life is too full of stress or too full of this or too full of that. And therefore you gave yourself cancer. You can ungive yourself cancer. You know, I'm reading a book by Louise Hay. Oh, I know Louise Hay. I love Louise Hay. (laughs) She literally says cancer is a stress that you give yourself and you can ungive it if you, you, because she did. Yeah. So kind of the manifestations. um, Yeah. yeah, The cancer is grief or sadness or something, I think. is. I think um, I empathize with your reaction to that, which was like, that's pretty harsh, right? Yeah. Um, it was just, I, it was shocking. Yeah. It was like uh, shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into women. Um, my cranial sacral therapist, she went through cancer without chemo and drugs and things like that. She was going to go diet based and all that. And, and I guess what I would say, you know, especially like you were mentioning culturally in Japan, I want to respect everyone's decision. It, cancer is a personal journey. Everybody's cancer is different. I mean, I'm stage three, grade three, triple negative. Yeah. Long. five out of 26 lymph nodes were cancerous i mean I, I waited too long i waited too long for my mammo and it cost me and i'm coping with it now so you know aside from like getting on the behind the, the microphone of get a mammogram mm. damn it yeah <laughs> i i'm gonna leave everything else in terms of people's individual reactions to themselves so i i can't judge the cultural reason, the, mm. the cultural manifestation of the Japanese reaction of stoicism. It's its just not for me to judge. Mm. What I can say is that at some point, probably pretty quickly, I knew that going into chemo that was going to make me bald and the fact that I was still working full time were going to collide. 
and that if I didn't say something up front, then people were going to be looking at me with bald head and go like, she's got cancer. Like, it's mm. just that obvious. And mm. we were in, remember, this was in COVID. So we were in Zoom. Like, mm. all, I mean, I Zoom all day long. That's all I do is Zoom. For mm. Zoom. Yeah. So I felt honest in letting folks know what was going on. I tried to look after the timing. I think that was one of the most critical things was say timing for uh, chemo treatment. I would have my chemo treatments on Saturday mm. and on Sunday I was jacked up on my steroids. I remember I when you thing, work, 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 work. Tuesday still have energy. Wednesday's like mm, be a little, little nauseous. Thursday. <laughs> oh, Friday. Boom. I love this. Okay. So what I, the, uh, the first time you told me this story, I was like, oh, wow. You know, it's like this idea of like, okay, so chemo was Saturday? Saturday. Yep. Saturday. So, and so Sunday you're all jacked up on the steroids and you're like, okay, this baby is a tailwind. I'm going for it. And it's like. 100%. I was running my, uh, my good friend at NRG, Jack. He's like, what are you doing? It's Sunday. I'm like, Jack, I'm on fire. I got it. It's going. <laughs> I was banging out things, you know, left and right, sending emails. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because we always say, listen to your body, right? So yeah. it's like, listen to your body. Um, and generally we say that listen to your body, meaning rest. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, if you're not feeling well, rest, you know, kind of thing. But this idea of listen to your body, I'm feeling great. I'm full of energy and I'm just going to go for it because I, I know for me, you know, this idea that cancer was taking stuff from me, like taking my ability to work or taking my ability to run, or I just hated it. I, you know, it was like, you will not take from me. And so it was this, okay, I'm decked up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I can, I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, that, that made it really productive. And I was able to throw, I had four rounds of AC and one round of Taxol so five rounds of chemo after the first round attack so i got pneumonitis my lungs just filled up with round glass ossification mm. talk about a phrase that would put fear into you like nothing else somebody needs to come up with the the namings of these because you know like it's like round oh, glass went, in my lungs yeah you went ground <laughs> glass in your lungs it's like yeah set me up set me up yeah great nice <laughs> so and and by then i was fully bald that was summer of 21 um, Can I just say I you rocked headscarves like nobody? I, I, you know what? I tried a wig. I looked like a freak. I couldn't wig. Although I have my friend Deborah give me a beautiful long colored wig, and I wore it to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, <laughs> you know, a cool outfit. That was fun. I yeah. rocked a scarf. Oh, you totally rocked the scarves. So you know this idea also too about finding what's right. You know, I tried the wigs didn't I didn't feel comfortable you know and so it's like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you know a different approach and things like that so yeah that's the individualizing that you need to work through cancer right and if you god if, if if there's if I'm able to find hope and you know kind of a good energy then I can lean into that and make it about the the scarf or the yellow or whatever it is that that I would do. Um, for example, my pre chemo dinner ritual, 
Mm. Sort of a long story where my friend Kathy had a, had a girlfriend who went with a very specific diet for her cancer. I, I went off all sugar, which was great. And the night before my chemo treatments, I would have a bison steak and mm. a very specific menu. And I, I did it both because it's protein based and, um, and mm. iron and gives me a lot of energy, you know, fortifies me, but also because it's really unique. And if I ever have to look back on eating and chemo, I can think about something that I don't normally have. So it's like this exceptional thing. Like I didn't have spaghetti because I'd be like, oh my God, spaghetti. I associated with chemo again. So, you know, that kind of the association, you know, yeah, yeah that those kinds of associations and to create, that's so interesting because I never really thought about it, but this very specific mindful association uh, to sort of say, I'm going to just put a little ring fence around it and it's going to be this kind of special bison steak thing that I would never usually come across. And when I'm done with it, I'll be done with that kind of steak as well. So there we go, you know, and yeah. Do you still eat the eat it or not? No, I haven't had bison since then. I Where do you have... find bison? I mean, honestly. Oh, it's a thing now. It's, oh, it's yeah. a thing. Okay. In America, they bring on things all the time. I love how you said it. It's a thing. It's like it's like a thing with a capital T. Yeah, yeah, totally a thing with a capital T. Somebody's you know making something off of it. That's why. <laughs> so let me go back to a little bit of um, when you talked about telling people. So you you rock into HR, and HR are very kind and supportive. Talk a little bit now about this whole idea of the work schedule and working you've said a little bit about the the steroids and being able to make it work for you and things like that financially it's always hard going through cancer i know for myself i was so so fortunate to have a great insurance plan that was able to just take a little bit of weight off so i had a, an insurance plan which was called life crisis cover which meant that you have your life insurance but if there's ever a crisis in your life that would significantly change things, you can actually receive part of your life insurance early. And I think that was kind of super helpful to the idea that I could, you know, don't, not have to wait till I die to get life insurance. It was like, I'm in a crisis mode here. And it was a nice little lump sum of money that it wasn't like, oh, you have to use it for the hospital or you have to use it for what it was like, here is a chunk of money, use it how you need to use it to get you through this part of your journey. Pay off your mortgage if you need to, go for a trip to New Zealand to see family if you need to, whatever it is, there is no show me a receipt to your hospital bill so I can reimburse you. It's like, here you go. <laughs> so that, that sounds like a blessing. I mean, you yeah. know, this is the United States. We don't, our, our medical system is not quite <laughs> I think, well, it, no, it was less to do with the medical system and more to do with my choice of life insurance policy, but, but well, yeah. For you for making those decisions. And one thing I would say to the women listening to this is to, to plan ahead. If, if you can make mm. sure your insurance is, is rocked up. My life insurance is a little more complicated than that. It does have a clause like that, but you have to be physically disabled as in you can't feed yourself. Kind right. of thing. Seven life criteria, that type of thing. But I will say. So a couple of things. One is, so HR was very kind and they were very supportive throughout. It was very difficult to create a plan because again, mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to act to everything and what was really 
coming except from some very broad strokes in terms of like chemo and then surgery and then radiation and then more chemo and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But they work with me very closely. And there was one point where I had to dip into FMLA, which is the American policy of Family Medical Leave Act. And I was scared to do it. I didn't want to do it. Talk talk to me about what's scary about dipping in FMLA. Your income. That's what's scary. (laughs) I don't like pausing income unless it's my choice. So hold on, help me understand. So, because I don't know, and many of our listeners may not know, but so FMLA is a, so family and medical leave. Short-term disability. Okay, so it's a long-term disability. disability that allows you to kind of like hit the pause button for working and your, your full salary in order to heal. And so I really didn't go on it for, for very long. But I also couldn't really face it because, again, it was coming at me so fast and in such unpredictability that I was like, well, how am I going to feel next week? What if I feel fine? I should be working, right? Mm. And, and I'm surely not going to work if I'm, on, if I'm not getting paid. That didn't make any sense. Mm. So I just mostly didn't do it except for that one short period that I did do it. And HR was just there. They were literally like, it's your choice. You do what you need to do. Please take mm-hmm. care of yourself. They were really, really, really good people. Heather yeah. and, and her team were amazing. I lucked out in terms of insurance. So I cannot believe that I am actually saying thank you to Cigna for mm-hmm. being a great insurance company when it can- comes to breast cancer. They were mm-hmm. amazing. I got a phone call from a woman named Krista Baker. I love Krista Baker. Seven Ways to Sunday. She is amazing. She is my cancer concierge with Cigna. Wow. wow. She called me out of the blue and I was cushioned back. I'm like, what's the catch? Like, what do you want? Like, you're from an insurance company. You're spying on me or something like yeah. that. I had no faith or trust whatsoever in her at the beginning. And then what I found was that she not only knows cancer frontwards and backwards, because she talks to women all the time with breast cancer. So she knows cancer and what to expect. She knows Cigna and what their rules are. Mm. She knows me and what my journey is. And she has access to all of my details. And I was like, I was floored at how kind and available. We speak every month through this whole thing. So this is, okay, so this, let's just, let's take a moment and a pause moment Ah. for that. Because (laughs) what I wanted to say is that you're right. It was something actually my kids said in their in their podcast, whereas often our image of cancer comes from popular culture. And so because we've never had it this close to us and, you know, and so it's what we've seen on TV or what we've seen in the movies and things like that. And for me, my image of American insurance companies is exactly that what I've seen in the popular culture. Right. It's always not pay, don't pay, screw you around, da, 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 da. and that's right. Well, Aaron I mean. Brockowitz, Brockowitz. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. All of it, all of it, yeah. So, and I think that that's the image that we have, unfortunately, you know, and because we're distanced from it. And I was kind of the same, like when I first got cancer as well, and I was like, I wonder if this life crisis thing actually works or not, because I wasn't sure. And I was, I was checking the fine print left, right, and center. I was like, because, mm. you know, I was only stage two. So it was like, mm, maybe it's not, you know, like you said, you have to have a some level of you can't move, you can't feed yourself, you can't do something. But it wasn't. 
and I was pleasantly surprised. And so I think it's time for us to do a little heart love, love, love in for, for the insurance companies that absolutely and the insurance agents. Let's, let's be even more specific. I'll put my money on the fact that this is a pervasive disease for some reason way too many women get breast cancer, way, way, way too many women. Mm. And yet we have figured a lot of things out, you know, like the lots of helping hands app and, you know, knitting boobies and things (laughs) from from the low tech to the high tech to the high service, like insurance, Mm. the chance that some woman sat down and said, you know what, we know a lot about breast cancer. Maybe we should get somebody on the phone with our breast cancer clients that, that can talk through things and, and so on. And I'm like, I can't express enough gratitude. I'll give you a really specific example. Because I had pneumonitis, my lungs were filled with stuff. broken glass. Yeah. Brown glass <laughs> ossification, right? Because that really sounds great. I had to have proton radiation. Photon is the norm, which is like kind of a mm-hmm. broad shooting radiating beam. And proton is very narrow and it's a new thing. And there's only a few of them in the United States. And one of them is in New York and it's associated with Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is the MSK bubble. I can't say enough about how I feel cared for in the MSK bubble and and then some other hospitals as well. So when I first came out of the proton discussion with my oncologist, Mm. I was in my car calling Krista Baker going, Krista, they want me to do this special proton thing. And she's like, oh, I don't know. That's, she go, she, she knew immediately that it was an exceptional type yeah. of radiation that it may or may not be covered. And if it's not covered, there's a place in Philadelphia that has it, that you can get it for the same price as the regular photon. Oh, wow. She knew this off the top of her head and she did went to bat and did the homework for me to help me get covered in New York. So I didn't have to move down to Philadelphia for two months. Mm. I am indebted to her for that mm. because that was a the radiation, radiation, <laughs> 29 radiation treatments. And I would go in like a champ every day. I would commute from Westchester, New York, where I live to Manhattan at about 6 a.m. every day in mm. December of last year wow. because I needed to beat the traffic, the commuter mm. traffic. So I'd get there at 7, 7.30. My treatment started at eight. I'd run till eight thirty nine and come home mm-hmm. and work a full day. Wow. And yeah, and it worked. It was fine mm-hmm. until the very end of it. And I got to ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And then my body started to fall apart because radiation effects are cumulative. Cumulative, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take like two years to work through. And right now the scarring and Oh, it's tough. But anyway, that's a long story to say that, that, you know, I, I knew who to call because I'm no dummy mm. and I got the help I needed. And mm. I saw it's a great, great radiation yeah. regime as difficult as it is. Yeah. So I, you know, but I think that that's really, again, the senpai, the knowledge, it's like finding those people that can basically say, okay, let me take that burden off of you. Let me think this through for you. Let me figure out the proton thing. Let me figure out the cost thing. Let me figure it out for you and I'll get back to you. And I think that that's, you know, the helping hands app. All of these things are about, first of all, not being an island, allowing people in, and then just, you know, letting go, letting people grab a hold of that steering wheel for a little moment or two. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, for me, that's working through cancer is mm -hmm. that that holding hands with others and, and letting them take the steering wheel when it's needed. It was, you know, again, a year and eight months into this thing, and I'm not done. I'm on hormone blockers. I got another round of chemo in January. Where I sit now, I can safely say that I could not have done this on my own, that had I had needed to be stoic, I can't imagine me and my personality carrying, pulling that off successfully. Mm. I guess, you know, who I am and the network that I've built and the business that I'm in, mm. was in with research, was such that people were, were receptive and supportive and caring. And we all worked together to yeah. go through this journey of cancer. That That's how it feels to me. You know, I, I just, you made me remember that I was actually the chairperson for the 70th anniversary for the SMR Congress. And I was in Amsterdam with that big binder of research papers that we needed to read so that we could actually get through. And I got the phone call from the hospital to say that I had tested positive for breast cancer while I was in Amsterdam. Oh my gosh. And I knew, you know, I had the biopsy and everything and I knew the results would be coming in, but I was secretly hoping that, you know, I would be okay. Uh, Cause I'd, you know, just, I'd had a lump in my breast probably about a year and a half before. And it was just one of those lumpy breast things that needed to be drained. And it was like all okay. So I was, I don't know, I was thinking I would be okay. Although they did say it was a little weird. And so they needed to be careful with it. The reason I'm telling you that was because there was this group of 10 people who I'd been spending days with going through this binder of stuff. And we were going out for the dinner and I got the phone call and I just, you know, I told one person, so John Karen first, and I said to John, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be here to be the actual chair of the Congress because uh, I'm going to have to go through this. And the biggest group hug, like ah. decided to, you know, and it was like, we've got you, we've got this. Cause you know, and it was just, again, just having this kind of moment of being able to be a little vulnerable, uh, which typically as these power women powering through our careers, it was like vulnerability is weakness, do not show it you know, kind of thing. But that to me, I've always been a very open person with my emotions, but it taught me to be vulnerable and accepting you know and cancer teaches you a whole moment it yeah does. cancer teaches you a limb. whole bunch of stuff doesn't it <laughs> you just reminded me of something which was i remember all the data coming back saying that we were on the right path and things were going well you know oh. so it's like hey we've removed the lymph nodes we've got you on the treatment you're in the you know and it's going well you know and i would be getting these results the data and it was saying we've got this it's all good and i was still feeling like shit absolute shit and i was sitting there crying with good data in my hand saying we're on the right path and i was feeling like Pfft. and my doctor basically said to me tell me your story tell me what's going on and it's ah. It's called narrative medicine, which is kind of really interesting, which is that there's this story and emotion behind everything. It's not just the hard data. 
And at the end, um, so my doctor is Japanese, but uh, she studied in the U.S. at John Hopkins. And she said, you know what's interesting? She said, I love the fact that disease, the English word disease is disease, but then you separate it and it's dis-ease, not at ease. <clears throat> and she's like, that's what you're going through right now. You're not at ease with this. And you're going to have to find your path to become at ease with it. Going back to the story, you said that, okay, you've retired in June and you, you said at the beginning, it was a little bit related to the cancer journey and I'll get to that. So sure. can we so get, to get to that? <laughs> right. Absolutely. I, I think that I was coming into 2022 after a really intense year, right? So chemo, surgery, and radiation altogether were very, very intense. And I knew I wasn't done. I knew I had another big surgery reconstruction coming up. And then I knew I had hormone blockers and another round of chemo. Mm. And the simple line is that I retired because I could. Um, mm. If I couldn't, I, I wouldn't. But I could and I needed to. By the time I got to my reconstruction surgery, which was a deep flap, which I wasn't prepared for it. It was mm. way, way more intense than I had expected. I'm like, oh, a little nip and tuck here and there. And it's like, no, I have a brand new belly button. Thank you very much. Mm. And uh, the oral chemo that I had before the surgery in the spring of this year, I lost my fingerprints. I had no fingerprints mm. from acetabine and then my, my feet kind of fell off. Mm. So, so like one of those statues in the Met. <laughs> yeah. yeah and watch john oliver he talked all about what we talked about about i did i watched it yeah so i will and when we put the podcast up i think i'll put that link in because yeah it was good. fascinating <laughs> it, it is fascinating and it's about time for people to do the right thing i think yeah anyway i just all that physicality was going on and at that point i was really exhausted and i with my financial advisor, as I do, as, as one does. And I said, can I do this? And they said, yes, you're fully funded. Um, you know, this and this and this, right, qualifications, but yes, you're fully funded. And I'm like, you know what, I've had an amazing career. And another thing started to happen when I, when I, you know, in the last couple of years of my career is what gave me juice, what gives me juice today and over the last couple of years has been talking to young people and talking mm. to them about their, their challenges and their growth and their goals and, and helping them work mm. through that. I get no greater joy than getting an email or a phone call or a text from someone that I've worked with wherever they are in the world. And they are all over the world mm. saying, you know, if you have an hour or something to chat and I'm like, no problem, happy to. Mm. And and I'll get these calls and I hear them through and I talk to them and help them strategize and give them a, you know, a shot in the arm in terms of like, as I know them, how they appear to me. So, you know, do I sound like a cheerleader sometimes? Yes. Am I helping people to hear good things about themselves that they might not otherwise hear? Damn, mm. yeah. Mm. Right. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you you're great if you're not, but you're probably not on my list if you're not great. <laughs> Um, everybody's checking oh my god am i on laura's list taking my phone call <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. i'll just tell you laura i remember so the first time we met was in lisbon and we did the panel thing and then you and i decided that we would go shoe shopping together and we found this store that was 
closing or closing down yeah. and we basically bought three or four beers of really we power shopped <laughs> we power shopped we were in we were out we walked away without and how many pairs of shoes then fast forward a little bit after that and we were at a conference again um this time in florida and what i just remember uh is your team was with you this time rather than um at smr where you were there without your team um what well, not that i knew that whether you were with your team or not but this empowering of your team you can see it when when you are with people um that are on your team or working with you the only way i can describe it is you step out of the spotlight and encourage them to step into it and i think that that's your superpower your absolute superpower and so i imagine that forever in a day you're going to be getting phone calls from people saying <laughs> Basically, what I think what people are saying is help me step into my spotlight. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm in the shade at the moment. And I have phoned you on a number of occasions and sort of said, you know, talk me through this one or what do you think? And I think that that's, you've built this beautiful set of bridges to the island. <laughs> I think yep. that's, yeah. That's beautiful. But, I think recognizing talents and so nurturing talent is definitely on my superpower list. I love that. I'm I'm happy to own that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And I think that ability to basically say, um, maybe I'm at a pivot point in my life right now and I just need to take an assessment. Because sometimes what happens is we we get on a treadmill and we're just powering on on the treadmill. And cancer can do this thing where it just kind of pauses that treadmill for a moment and you have to take a good hard look at it. <laughs> And, you know, I imagine like, correct me if I'm wrong, say, yeah, Vanessa, you're wrong. But if you hadn't got cancer, maybe you wouldn't have taken a pause and talked to your financial advisor and say, can I retire about now? You still would have been on the treadmill doing, doing the thing. I know. Yeah, it, it's it's a really big question. And I, I it was the question, it was the only question, like when I was telling my bosses at NRG that I was retiring, I'm, I'm like, this is the question. This is the only conversation to have is if I didn't have cancer, would I be doing this? And my answer at the time was, it doesn't matter because I have cancer, yeah. right? And and now I guess I can say, yeah, sure. It, it was such a factor. The physicality that I went through at the beginning of this year was just challenging yeah it was amazingly challenging and it wasn't like it didn't take me out because i'm still here and i and i feel you're looking really fabulous bad. i know people cannot people cannot see you because we're on a podcast but she is rocking i mean there is no head scabs or bald hair at the moment <laughs> and hair. there's hair there's, there's hair enough to play and twist with you know kind yeah. of thing yeah and beautiful yellow and just the earrings are gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. I, I am getting ready for my day. Yeah. Um, but um, so if the if the dot 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 of that is then what's next? I'm just gonna try and keep an open mind. Like I still have a lot of healing to do. There's like I said, the radiation effects and the fact mm -hmm. that I'm on hormone blockers and the chemo that's coming in January, which is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting any pressure on myself right now. That said, when I have lunch with you and we talk about fun things that we might do together, then I get very excited about that. I, I don't mind committing myself to some writing or organizing or, you know, 
Yeah, I, I would love to do that. It has to be right-sized in terms of my effort to value. But I think that I'm coming to a place where I think I could probably, yeah, I can, I can do that now. Um, but six months ago, I had to make that call. And, and I just, you know, it was a little bit shocking. There was like, when I told my boss, she was pretty shocked. She's a great lady. And I love working with her. I miss the people that I worked with because they were so smart. <laughs> Christmas, those guys are smart. But I had to do this for me at the time. And so I guess I'm just going to be open-minded to what's next, knowing that I still have some hurdles along the way, some physical hurdles along the way. So I think that like today we really wanted to talk about this idea of working through cancer. I think like you mentioned at the beginning, the double entendre, the idea of like working through with your career, telling HR, getting that support, um, working with teams, finding the, you know, the steroids work and powering on through and things like that. But also to working, working through it, that process, um, that healing journey and actually coming to those terms, you know, similarly to me, which was, and I imagine COVID is a big crisis moment from for many of us as well, which just makes us reassess as well. So cancer really is this pause button crisis, take a good head look and making those decisions. And we never know if the decisions are 100% right or not. And we might go back and we might change our minds. But I think what we do learn is that it's time to try something new, maybe, <laughs> you know, and... And like you said, you know, I had a ball at the Met, like when we went and thank you for choosing the Met for lunch. That was just like fantastic. <laughs> so hadn't seen you for, I don't know, how many years, five years, six years. A while, too oh, long. Yeah. Long. Yeah. And we just fell into step again. And it was like being able to talk about things. And I loved what you said, which is like, I'll find the things to do that are right sized for me at this point in time. And I think that's the thing to sort of say, this is my plate. My plate has this and this and this on it right now, including cancer, my family, you know, raising kids. I, this is what's on my plate right now. And it's over full. And so I'm going to remove a couple things. And I think that that's, you know, that's like this big learning. Super. Yeah. And, and I had... I was able to put my hand on my heart and say the things that I've done over the 40 years of my career have given me so much joy and um, rewards of all kinds that that I have no regrets. I have no regrets, mm -hmm. not on one. I mean, okay, I've done some stupid things. When I talk to people, when I'm in my kind of mentoring mode and I talk to people and they like, they've just been fired. I'm like, the first time you've been fired, I'm like, first time I've been fired. I'm like, welcome. <laughs> Right. You will learn from this experience. Let's move on. And, yep. and there's lots and lots of first time you have to fire someone. I mean, all those kinds of things are part of building a career. Mm -hmm. They are so intense and shocking at, at the beginning for most people. And it's great to be able to talk to somebody about what that's like and to say, how do I contextualize this? What's the, you know, it, it's sort yeah. of like the senpai, you know, there's a senpai to cancer, there's a senpai to work. Yeah, And I love it when it's the circle of women who are also supportive because we have our own special challenges like breast cancer yeah. um, and motherhood and, yeah. and many other things like that. So I'm, I'm happy to, with that understanding right now. Yeah. 
I love this, like the, the kind of the idea of the circle. We've touched on some really interesting things about like the senpai being able to, to do those things, but being able to connect with people. I think that you and I are going to stay connected for a bit. <laughs> so um, a few things we might be working on. Eh? <laughs> there might be a few things. You know, I'll tell you what, Laura. So just for people who want to, you want to know somebody who knows just a little bit about media and how media is changing right now. Honest to goodness, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you blow my mind in the way that you see things. And it's just, you know, being surrounded by people who just see things a little differently from a different angle, it's refreshing. And I think your cancer journey, I remember you saying, you know, you saw that I was running every day, you know, and you were like, I just, I can't. And it's coming to that realization that that's your journey. This is my journey. And that's the same with career paths. That's same with everything. There is no right way to do this. But what there is, is a support network to help you, you know, see things. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, which is like, my doctor said that to me because I was so lost. I was at a decision. I was at a process and stage in my cancer where I had choices. I had a lot of choices. Do you want a lumpectomy? Do you want a mastectomy? Do you want, you know, I had a lot of choices. As you get to your level, you run out of choices and you get instructions. <laughs> yeah. When my oncologist speaks, I listen. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, you know, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And it's like, I was basically, well, there's door the door A and there's door B. Which one would you like to go through? And on a Monday, I would say door A. And then on a Tuesday, I was like, maybe door B. And I was just getting lost. And I remember saying to my doctor, what would you do? And she was like, I can't tell you what I would do because it's not my journey. And she turned to me and she said, you do this for a living every day. You get a bunch of information you figure it out and you tell people to go this way or that way based on your finding insights, your drawing conclusions, and you're helping people make decisions. You can do this. And that was the thing, which is like, how do I do this when I'm lost, when I'm completely lost in the data and I'm completely lost in something, what do I do? So I ask another smart person is what I do. <laughs> you know? And we do this in the research industry, right? Even, you know, we will ask other smart researchers and say, I'm struggling with this. And we're going to go full circle back around to SMR, SMR Congress and conferences again, because you're just surrounded by a bunch of smart people dealing with the same stuff. It's yep. Like, yep. Well, are you using AI? How are you using AI? What should we do about AI? I was just going to say shout out to marketing sciences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I think that that's the thing. And so if there's anything that we've learned together is that when you don't know what you're doing and you've got all the data in front of you, ask somebody else to have a look at it with you. Uh, and, you know, they might just see something differently. Yeah, cool. Is there any one last thing that you would like to add for people who are working their way through cancer? Like if this is your one-liner, I'll put it on a T-shirt. Yeah, it really is... <laughs> I want to say trust the process um, <laughs> is really is have faith because at any one point in a cancer journey, it won't look like that same point in, in six months time in one year's time in 20 years time, it will look different. Mm. I can say that with confidence because this is 2022 and the science around breast cancer is 
is really strong. It is not a death sentence. It's a lot of work. It's not easy. Hmm. And sometimes people don't make it. And, and hmm. that's really tragic. But a lot of times people do. Hmm. And if you get your mammoths early, <laughs> you have a better shot at it, people. Memo, uh, memo I, to I, younger self. with that one. <laughs> memo to younger self. Can I ask you, I mean, you don't have to answer. You can, we can, you know, uh, skip it if you want. But why didn't you get your memo? Oh, Jiminy, that's a wicked, wicked long question. Wicked. So <laughs> you'll remember that I, I lived in Asia for eight years, right? Yeah. And I came back in 2014. And I had a lot of struggles when I came back for multiple reasons. I mean, I, was a, I ended up a single working mom, sometimes mm. without a job. Let's just call it that with, mm. you know. Yeah. Other challenges too, but I did get one memo when I first came back. I remember, I remember doing that, and then, and then it fell off my radar. And I had so many other things that I was dealing with that I just, I didn't have it on my radar. I didn't have it on my list. And what I remember was in twenty, probably late, late, late twenty eighteen. Um, I said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm at an age I probably don't need a gynae as a primary anymore. I need a GP. And I didn't have a GP because I had gone to clinics in Asia, as you do. Mm. So I'm like, I should probably get a GP. And, and I had, was on at a meeting with a friend, Karen. She's like, oh, I have a GP in Sleepy Hollow. I love her. So she put me on to the GP. I went to see her. The first thing she said to me is, go get a memo. Mm. So I'm like, all right. And now who likes memos? Nobody likes memos. Doesn't matter. Get them done anyway. Mm. So I, I went to get the memo and that's how it started. So that was March of 21. 21. Wow. 21. That's when this whole started, like February, March 21. So our learning to ourselves, it, put it on the radar. It's uh, October this month. So it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So it's perfect time for us to say, put it on your radar. There's also- well, Especially like, after COVID, go get a memo, yeah, right? Yeah. You know? Listen to Katie Kirk. Don't listen to me. Listen to Katie Kirk. <laughs> and, you know, what's interesting is um, when we're talking about apps and different movements and things that are, you know, just have, I don't know, momentum around them, whether it's your Helping Hands app, there was just a, a breast cancer thriver and until recently survivor. She passed away just recently, but she started a movement called Feel It on the First. And so there's a little, you go on Instagram and you can find it, um, Nali, um, and the hashtag is feel it on the first. So it's basically on the first of every month, do your self check. And so let's uh, encourage everybody. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so please book yourself in with a memo. Or um, if you're not going to book yourself in with a memo, at least on November 1st, let's all do feel it on the first. Yeah. And, and see how we, we go. Um, yeah. I'm not letting people off the hook Do the memo. <laughs> and I say that because I didn't have a lump. I had, uh, Good, dense I, breasts. <laughs> I dense breasts and I had, I had little, um, you know, cancer flex, whatever the heck yeah. it's called yeah. that were across my breast that they look like a Milky way when I saw them, right. you know, but I didn't feel a thing. Right. And I, I breast all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So do the memo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not letting anyone off the hook on that. You got them. You go look after them. It's like your tires. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> check check the tires. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, well, thank you so much. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to um, be able to stay connected. And your next big step is radio again? No, no. Uh, hormone blockers and then chemo yeah, in January. Hormone blockers I'm on now and then chemo, a new, a new oral chemo in January. My oncologist said so. Because mm. stage three, grade three, triple negative. There you go. Here you go. And just to clarify, for you know, cancer nerds, I'm triple negative, but I'm ER thirty percent positive. So my oncologist is treating me both ways, which is against the estrogen, the thirty percent estrogen. But MSK's policy is thirty percent is considered a triple negative. So. Mm. I've spoken to nurse practitioners and they're like, hmm, that's an interesting protocol. And it's just, it's really extra because of the 30% yeah. ER positive. So I, I don't want anyone who's really tuned into this stuff to go, that doesn't make sense. So, yeah. 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 And as you said, it's trust the process, right? So trust the process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got like your cancer concierge who's also having a watch out for you as well. So yeah, um, absolutely. Hey, I want to say thank you so much. Totally enjoyed it. I think that working through cancer when you've got your career, um, as well as working through the process in your mind and making those decisions is just um, a really, really big conversation. So thank you for taking the time to share it with everybody. And um, you know what? I think that this is going to be something which you and I are going to continue to talk about and share for a little bit. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love okay. you. Anna. Love you too. It's special. Wow. Time went fast. It was a great conversation with a dear friend, but now my mind is buzzing. And full disclosure, we were doing it with Laura in New York and myself in, in Tokyo. And so it was early morning, her time and late evening, my time. And so just finished and I couldn't go to sleep because I, my mind was thinking about all the different topics that we covered. So we looked at the idea of wellness, uh, and I think this is how I'm bucketing it right now, is there's physical wellness, how you're coping um, with your body and the different things. Love the steroid story. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Mental wellness, as we know, finding um, that ability to say yes to things, no to things, to protecting your mental wellness, taking the time that you need uh, in the moments that you need looking at using FMLA uh, if you need to, and those kinds of discussions. The social wellness, bringing your tribes around you, allowing yourself to not be an island and allow people in to help and support and ask for that if, if you need, or at least not turn it down when it comes. And then that last piece, which was financial wellness, which we haven't actually spoken a lot about, but that is a huge part of the cancer journey, that stress that brings with all the different medications and procedures that do cost money and how having a great insurance coverage and the cancer concierge who just seems to deflate that stress a little because you're talking to somebody who knows how to navigate. Big thing, the senpai, find the senpai, the person who's been through it before. I have Caroline, you know, Laura mentioned she had a friend that she was just calling straight away. And so that's really about what this is. This episode was less about running and more about cancer, but also learned so much about what it is to work through cancer. And I hope that uh, you found it helpful and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's Outrun Cancer Story. I know telling stories really helps. So now I'd like to ask you to come share your takeaways. 
follow us on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Outrun Cancer for some stories, some inspiration, and maybe you might be inspired to put your running shoes on. See you in the next episode.